Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this current news podcast. On this week's episode, we talk about COVID, the upcoming election, Mindy Kaling, my 600-pound life, of course, and then May tells the story of the Menendez brothers. Stay tuned. What up, fam? Feels good, right? Good, right? <laughs> yeah, I know it, dude. Yeah. And without further ado, we broadcast live from CA to NY. You don't remember the big ass rooster? No, in Looney Tunes. Yeah. Oh, the one who would chase what's his face? I don't remember who he would chase. Not Roadrunner? No, 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 no. That's a coyote. Oh, he's a chicken. No, he's a rooster. Oh, I see him. Oh, yeah, I know this. <laughs> he's from the South. He likes molasses. Ooh. <laughs> what, what do you put molasses on? I don't know. Yeah, is it like syrup? Like, is it like an alternative? I don't think it's a syrup alternative, but I think you could maybe have like a molasses, like, pastry or something somebody from the south is getting so mad at us right now i know they're like what are you guys talking about what in tarnation <laughs> that's foghorn leghorn yeah so they canceled the second debate i mean that's good they had to right they didn't have to it should have been virtual oh yeah it could have been virtual that's true i didn't even think about that yeah they were yeah, trying why to... wouldn't he want to do it virtual because he's scared yeah and he, virtual, I think you would have better, like somebody could be telling you what to say. Like, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. why we, everybody objects to trials going forward over uh, virtual because you don't know who's fucking, they could be texting him. Like, yeah. fuck that. But he, he said he didn't want to do it virtual because he said, oh, then they're going to turn off my mic and like, you know, but they need to fucking turn off your mic because you won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, they could have turned off his mic in person like what yeah it's true this, this feels stupid he's did you i heard him on i think it was sean hannity and he was like all full of mocos in his throat oh god last night yeah yeah i was like oh damn that's nasty <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he was out of his mind on drugs too because he was like california that's why they don't have water because they're that good they're sending the water into the ocean to protect the little fish <laughs> that was been like he's fucking he's high fucking faded What's the street name Did for he whatever hear? he's on? Because I need I that know. shit. <laughs> Did you hear what he was saying? About, he was like, older people, they want you to think that you're vulnerable. And you're not vulnerable. You've yep. never been vulnerable. In this instance, you, you are, are vulnerable. vulnerable. <laughs> like He was like arguing against himself. Like, motherfucker, can you hear yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's fucking losing it. And yeah, he said he found a cure. Uh, uh, sana sana straight. colita de rana is what he found. I know. He's gonna <laughs> Donald Trump's gonna send every American a, a bottle of Sprite <laughs> some ginger and some vapor rub. Uh, some... <laughs> it's like guys. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't look good, dude. He doesn't sound good. He doesn't look good. Why doesn't he? I feel like people would have so much more respect. I mean. It's ridiculous that he got it, but people would have more respect for him if he just like took it seriously now. Like, okay, I'm so sorry, guys. Like, I'm fucking sick, you know? Like yeah, yeah. I saw Pelosi <laughs> was saying she wants to have somebody evaluate him to see oh, if he's yeah. determined to be like competent right now. Like, right. The 25th Amendment. Sh- 
yeah, should you be fucking working, bro? Like, go right. lay down. Yeah. Not like you do much work anyways. No, but, for real. <laughs> yeah, but the, li- the little work you do, like... <laughs> one time when I was... Speaking of the little work I do, one time when I was working at AT&T, I was, like, sick. <laughs> <laughs> this was, like, years and years ago during college, and I was in the in the back in the break room, and I was just, like, doubled over over, like, the break room table. And I was, How stupid that we do that, right? I know. It's fucking stupid. I was listening call off. to that R.E.M. song, Everybody Hurts. That <laughs> song's so good. And then my boss came to the back, and he was like, go home. Yeah, like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> Somebody needs to do that to Trump. Like, play him that R.E.M. song and send that motherfucker home. You know he wants to cry. You know when you're so sick that you just yes. want to cry like it hurts yes. so bad? You know that fool wants to cry. Just let it out, bro. We won't judge you. Yeah. I'm, that's one thing I won't judge you on, crying. You think Pence got it? Once yeah, a, I mean, once again, what's going let's, on? Let's tell, let's tell everybody when we're recording because things are fucking changing left and right. I know, quick. So it's Friday, October 9th. And it's we'll four, see what it's happens. It's 4.20 p.m., full. Hey, hey, full. 4.20, <laughs> full. <laughs> Oregano. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what, like, have we even seen Pence since the debate? He just... He did an event in Arizona, and then... And then he canceled everything. Like, during that event, they started canceling, like, everything for the next few days. That's weird. He didn't look good at the debate, man. No, he had like pink eye. Uh huh. He <laughs> <laughs> was all sweating and shit. You got a fly landing on you. That's yeah. just weird, bro. That's embarrassing. I'm so over the stupid fly thing, man. Yeah, it's like one of those things. It was funny, but then everybody fucking like. They buried it. Yeah, like, they, it played out. That's why we can't have nice things. Anyways, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, but like, I mean, unless somebody leaks the story, they're not going to tell us, right? Like, right. isn't that because what they, happened? they both can't be sick you know like they need one they need one of them to get better (laughs) how about you just vote for the the party that's not sick (laughs) (laughs) that's ableist stephanie (laughs) (laughs) just go ahead and vote for the party that's well (laughs) i I saw some psycho gop person that's like running for the gop or she might have uh she might be a representative or something in congress but she was like don't you guys find it weird that only republicans have been getting sick yeah stupid bitch did you see speak's <laughs> response to her no what did he say it was perfect deanne lorraine deanna lorraine she said does anyone else find it odd that no prominent democrats have had the virus but the list of republicans goes on and on uh-huh. and then speak responded to her and he said it's because your party is full of dumbass science deniers that likened wearing a mask to slavery. You're greedy, individu- individualistic, and no regard for collective safety. It's what y'all deserve. That's that's the ticket. <laughs> it was like the most truth. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ooh, this is so good. I saved that shit. Shout out to our friend Speaky F Speak, Baby. Please say the baby. <laughs> <laughs> How about um how about the rest of the folk that since we last recorded got it, Chris? Chris Christie's still in the hospital, dude. Yo, and we don't, we're not hearing, like, any updates about his condition. And he has asthma on top of being, like, pretty obese. Yeah. That's scary. Who? Oh, Kellyanne Conway. It, and shout out to... To... Uh, what's her What's her daughter's name? 
Claudia? Claudia no. Conway, who also has who also has it. Yeah, shout out to Claudia Conway, just breaking news stories out here like she's fucking political and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my greatest desire is for Claudia Conway to come out of this like semi-normal. Seriously, poor girl. Yeah, she's got a fucked up home life. Yeah, I think it's already kind of, she's already kind of gone. Yeah. Melania, they really haven't said how she's doing, right? I know. That's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But Mel- how old is Melania? She's like in her 40s, I think. Okay. Damn, really? No way. Yeah. She's 50, man. Oh. But still... A young 50. Uh, Gwen Stefani's 51. That's crazy. <laughs> I know more people than that got it. Because I remember oh, they yeah, were they were sure. like was, dropping like flies. Yeah, it was like a grip of them. Yeah. Anyways, good luck to y'all. It looks like Rudy has it. I mean, they haven't said that Rudy Giuliani has it, but he just looks decrepit all the time anyway. So. Yeah, he looks bad. How old is that fool? He's like 500 years old. Yeah. He's undead, so. <laughs> I remember Rudy Giuliani like when we, after 9-11, when we were little, like, People like that. Fo- he was a hero. America's mayor. He was fucking like so. I don't know. Just, this is fucking crazy to me. He's seventy six. Fuck. He's older than Trump. Oh yeah, he looks bad. Yeah, he looks like shit. Yeah. He's never recovered ever since uh, Biden destroyed him in like his first debate or something. This is like an oh wait. He said the only thing Rudy Giuliani knows how to say is a noun, a verb, and nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> And ever since then, <laughs> things have not gone well for this man. Never been the same. Sorry to this man. How do you fumble that bag, though? Like all the goodwill that you got after something like that? Because you're a complete piece of shit, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How fucked up are you? Remember when, so in 2016, he was uh, on Team Trump and he would say shit like, you know who I saw on 9-11? Donald Trump doing good work. You know who I never saw? Hillary Clinton. And then people started dropping all the pictures of Hillary like in a mask, like literally side by side with that motherfucker. Yeah, ground zero and shit. Yeah. Fuck that fool. What a douchebag. I hear tonight the president is going to do a live uh, fucking medical exam on Fox News. Shut up, man. Yeah, because nobody believes. Are they going to say okay. his weight finally? you know (laughs) did you see they keep blocking it out yeah you know what's like fucking ridiculous that we can't trust what we're being told because they put out his vital signs i think it was yesterday or the day before they had his heart rate at 69 i do cardio every day my heart rate is like at 61 you're telling me this motherfucker this big mac eating motherfucker has a heart rate of a resting heart rate of 69 yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, well, he's fat. I mean, just to look around that body, yeah, like it's got to be hard, dude. I speaking of looking around the body, I fucking watched my six hundred pound life this week, and I watched this episode of this girl who was thirty and she weighed seven hundred and forty pounds. Me, could she walk? Thirty years old. Yeah, she could walk. And doctor now was fucking pissed. <laughs> he was like, I'm not even going to consider surgery on you if you don't lose 100 pounds on your own. Yeah. And she like barely made a difference. Like she started walking around her apartment and like <laughs> stopped drinking soda. And that bitch lost 150 pounds or How something. How the fuck does it get that bad so fast? That's crazy, right? Yeah. yeah she had to have been like 400 pounds at like 20 yeah. or something. Like that's fucking insane. That's sad. Uh, yeah, that was really that one was really sad. Like when she got she stood up on the thing, she was yeah. like, I haven't weighed myself in like fucking years. Yeah. And it said 740. She just started fucking crying. 
Dude. So what happened at the end? She fucking got into the 300s. What? She was like, I want to change. I want to live. Like, she was yeah. like, I, I want to live. I'm young, you know? That's a good thing that she's doing the change when she's still young. Yeah, because I hate when they go and then they don't change. Yeah. It's like, fucking, why'd you put your whole family, yourself, mm-hmm. like, everybody through that? That's you a know? really dangerous it, surgery. It's super dangerous. And then it's never convenient for any of them. They always have mm-hmm. to move or, like, do yeah. all this shit. Like, that girl, she had to move. And she moved by herself. She left, like, of course she was married, by the way. She left her mans behind and, like. Damn, I can't even get a text back. Shut up. Yes, <laughs> you can't. You're stupid. Yeah, that shit was crazy. Anyways. But when you're lugging around that much weight, like, doing, like, just, like, a lap is probably, like, fucking. Yeah, for real. A shit ton of calorie loss. Yeah. But you, what you really need to do is like address the the mental thing. Like you need to go to therapy to figure out what the fuck. How did you get here? Like that? Yeah, yeah. Because there's no way. That's what I think too. Like there, that shit does not feel good. You have right. to feel awful all yeah. the time. How do you want that for yourself? Um. Anyways, <laughs> Mindy Kaley had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Secret ass baby. I love a secret baby. Love it. And it's like a baby ass baby. Like, like she didn't even. Yeah. She's like had the baby and still kept it a secret. Good for her. That's tight. For what though? Like I don't think anybody's checking for her like that. You That's know? That's true. Nobody like, gives a shit. Yeah. Like, like if, if Angelina Jolie showed up with a baby right now, people would be like, holy shit. Like yeah. what the fuck? Like knocking on her door and shit. I don't know that people are checking for Mindy like that. That's true, but I just think it's cool when any of them want to be private. Like, how yeah. many reality stars do we see there every fucking move? And, like, point. who cares about you? It's fucking right. Stassi Schroeder. Yeah. Giving her fucking ultrasound updates and shit. Like, shut up. <laughs> well, she's trying to fix... What was it? She had an issue, right? She, she said something about a former black oh, cast member, that's right? right? She, she called the cops on, on that girl. Yeah. Yeah. And then she got swiftly fired. Same with uh, Catherine McPhee. Did that same shit. What? Not, not about... She's. I mean, I'm saying she just announced her pregnancy yesterday because, like, earlier in the week, it was revealed that she had been a donor to the Republican Party. David Foster's wife. Yeah, she's pregnant. Yeah, she just announced it yesterday. God damn! How old is that for? Seventy something. Yeah, that's interesting. Ooh, he's got hella babies. How many babies he got? Oh, no. Well, he has five children, seven grandchildren. So now he's going to have a, a child that's younger than some of his grandchildren. That's ghetto. <laughs> David Foster, confirmed Mexican. <laughs> I'm just kidding. How about my, I haven't, my grandpa had daughters after me. Whoa. So I have like two aunts that are younger than me. That's crazy. That's fucking insane, right? Half aunts, but still. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. That shit's ghetto. <laughs> what else happened this week? I don't have anything except for did you see that that priest that got arrested? No, for what? That's so weird that you say that because I randomly started thinking about El Crimen del Padre Amaro and I was uh-huh. like, man, I haven't seen that movie in forever. Like, and I remember when it came out thinking like this movie's good and yeah, I remember scandalous. Yeah, and then I looked it up, and it has pretty bad reviews. Really? Yeah, so then I was like, do I need to watch this again? Anyways. I'm going to rewatch that shit. Oh, my God. He's so hot in that movie. I still have a thing about Priest to this day because of that movie. Who directed that? That's so weird. Maybe my (laughs) uncle was Priest. (laughs) 
<laughs> Carlos <recipes>. Carrera? <laughs> well, this priest was arrested for having sex with two dominatrices in Louisiana on the altar in the church. Shut <laughs> off. And I was like, plot twist, 2020 going to make me a Catholic again? Because that shit's tight. <laughs> I mean, at least it's a sex scandal. Like everybody's consenting. Consent, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But because you know, with the Catholic Church, <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> it's, oh my God. But like, what part of that is illegal, though? Like, why did he get arrested? Yeah. Why did he get? I mean, I guess it's a public place, right? Is it a public place? Church. Yeah. A church? Churches are public. Yeah. Hmm. That's why they don't fucking pay taxes and shit. Well, no, that's not why, but. But it's a public place, yeah. Huh. Yeah, so he I saw his mugshot and everything. Oh my <laughs> god, man. The dominatrix looks dope too. She's got those Betty Page bangs. That's this is uh, interesting. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm weirdly conflicted about this. Like very shocking, but like, oh like, okay. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> uh. Oh, Eddie Van Halen died. That happened this week. And R.I.P. A dude that's like generally known to be just like a great guy. Yeah, and like a guitar legend yeah. and of a very particular era, right? Yeah, like yeah. yeah, that's R.I.P. to him. And it was uh cancer. Yeah, throat yeah. cancer, which just seems fucking horrendous. Oh uh, yeah, like I didn't realize that he'd lost like a third of his tongue or something twenty years ago or some shit. Fucked up, God, me. Damn. Yeah. Larry David got married. That's fucking weird. Shout out to you, my guy. You're really trying to um, share your wealth in this old age. I would have never gotten married. <laughs> and just like he seemed. Do you remember his comedians in cars? Uh, mm -hmm. Like he talks about like, I need to be alone. Like he. Yeah. How he just likes being alone because he's such a like weird, like weird about his stuff. Like mm -hmm. how he likes his stuff done. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. I guess like, you get to a point you get lonely. I think I would get along with Larry. Like, I could see myself marrying a Larry, but then I also see how that could go very wrong. Like, yeah. <laughs> and maybe, like, after 10, 20 years, you'd be like, all right, I'm fucking over right, it. Right, right. Yeah. Like, all that stuff might be fun. Like, his little idiosyncrasies might be fun at first, but then you're like, come the fuck on. So fucking over it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seriously. <laughs> oh, Tory Lanez. Oh, yeah. Tory Lanez was charged two felony counts i think assault mm -hmm. and then i think like having the weapon right mm -hmm. i just read something that was like maximum is 23 years for yeah. this which i mean i don't know if he'll get the max but probably not or he'd get deported right <laughs> yeah so it said um he shot at her feet after she left an suv the suv after while they were fighting or something mm. but he's not arrested right he was just charged i'm not sure if they did arrest him, he's probably out. Oh, it says he was arrested the night of the shooting, but oh. then set bail. Okay, so yeah. then they're not going to rearrest him. That's fucking insane. Mm. That's what you get. Yep. Why the fuck would you shoot Megan the Stallion? Like, what the fuck were you trying to achieve in that moment? There's something wrong with you. You are like a, a murderer. I need to know what else you've done to other women, honestly. Seriously. Like, how is that even appropriate? <laughs> Right. I mean, to anybody, really, but like... I know, but if you're smart, like, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, it just seems like yeah. a dumb... Yeah. How about the guys that tried to kidnap the governor of Michigan or whatever Oh, my fuck? God, man. Was I it know. Michigan or Minnesota? 
I think it was Michigan. That was so crazy. Yeah. And stupid ass Trump, man. Yeah, Michigan. Um, Gretchen Whitmer. Ridiculous. Yeah. I wonder how she feels. Probably scared, dude. Like fucking mortified, right? Yeah, like she I don't want to leave my house. Yeah. And she said, I saw she said that uh guess who called me? Joe Biden. Guess who hasn't called me? Donald Trump. Of course not. Mm-hmm. Fucking scoundrel. Honestly, do you want him to call you though, girl? I mean, what, just what's a, that whatever I, that fool says is not gonna make you feel better. That's true. Yeah. Oh my god, May. Yesterday I watched Legends of the Fall. <laughs> I haven't seen that since literally like nineteen ninety five. Yeah, I hadn't seen it since I was like 10 or something. <laughs> Brad Pitt's still fine. Still clapping cheeks all, all over that little town. Helena. Brad Pitt is the only man I like with long hair. He fucking does that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me think. Anybody I still don't I, I like? still don't like him like that. Like, uh, you know, of all the Brad iterations, that's the one I least like. But he's the only one I find acceptable. I appreciate it though. Mm-hmm. Something different. Let me think. I actually do. I know anybody else with long hair? Johnny Depp and Chocolate. Oh, he had a minute where he had long hair and looked good. Yeah, he. I like when they put it in like a little bun or ponytail mm-hmm. and shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Johnny Depp looks good right here. He's so fine. Like when he was fine in his day, there was, was no no one as right. fine as him. He was in my top five for sure. Oh yeah, top two actually probably. What a loss. Yeah, I can't really think of uh, men who just rock the long hair like that. It's not really something. Keanu's done it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do like it on him, too, actually. Uh, I mean, and then I like dreads. So I like when those are long. Yeah, me too. And I like, yeah, like Lenny will have long braids and dreads. Oh, yeah. Keanu like this. Oh, yes. He's so fine. He's got great hair. Actually, now that I'm thinking of it, my all-time babe, Brendan Fraser. Oh, yeah, me. He looks good with long hair, like when he's George of the Jungle or whatever the fuck. Yes, <laughs> you're right. Oh, that Jason Momoa guy looks okay with long hair. He's not my vibe, but... Right. He looks good looks on him. looks good on him. Yeah. He looks dirty to me. Yeah, right? Greasy. Man, Brendan Fraser, we should maybe, maybe do like a mini on him. Yeah. Yeah, he had like a little sad bit there. Mm-hmm. So did Keanu, honestly. Shit. I'll take care of them both. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> That's rude, man. It's not supposed to happen in Beverly Hills. A movie executive and his wife were brutally slain in their million dollar mansion. I'm, I'm just a normal kid. Oh, Eric, you're a normal kid who killed your parents. Yeah, I know. What's up, everyone? My name is Stephanie. And my name is May, and this is the Drama Club. This is the podcast about celebrity scandals, gossip, drama, (laughs) pop culture, movies. Oh, sorry, sorry. (laughs) It's because I'm trying to look for long-haired men, by the way. (laughs) Damn, foiled by your thirst again. You know who else has long hair, and I Mm. hate it on him? Brandon Boyd. Oh, yeah. Well, I like it on him. I think it looks fine. Like when he was young, because now he looks like okay. shit. But yeah, now he looks awful. <laughs> he also has uh, red tattoos, and that doesn't look good on everybody. Oh, I like the way they look on him, though. Yeah, yeah, he could pull off. He could pull off practically anything in his in his day. He could pull off practically anything in my book. He was really a great looking. But he's got that Johnny Depp vibe. Yeah. 
Anyways, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a my turn. I'm excited. I don't know what you're doing, and I like when I don't have to do much. <laughs> you're a, a lazy lay <laughs> yeah. i'm just gonna lay here and let you do all the work um a quick shout out to los lakers who hopefully put it away tonight lakers in five baby lakers in five it's championship friday everyone yeah don't fucking at us <laughs> we're not here to discuss this <laughs> all right what do Duran Duran, The Eurythmics, Menudo, and the Rambo films all have in common? What? <laughs> a Cuban-American Cuban businessman named Jose Menendez. Oh! Today, we're going to talk about one of the biggest scandals of the 80s and 90s, the murder of Jose and his wife Kitty by their sons Lyle and Eric. May <laughs> oh, oh, You can take out your last one. <laughs> what what a vibe <laughs> so buckle up and settle in because this one's got drama this is cool i uh, every time i think of doing the menendez brothers yeah there's so much content so fucking much so and i'm like much. i can't do this i can't. yeah <laughs> like i wouldn't know which one to to look at to right. reference right 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 how many fucking documentaries there's eat true hollywood story on this shit oh god i forgot about the true hollywood story i should have watched there's that there's so much on them yeah uh, trigger warning, if you don't know anything about this case, there's a lot of alleged child abuse of all kinds, so be prepared. Uh, for this, I, wa I watched the... Forgot about that! <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the trial! <laughs> for this, I watched the 2017 series, The Menendez Murders, Eric Tells All. That one's on Hulu. I think it's like four episodes. It's good, but obviously it's from Eric's point of view. So, like, it's very sympathetic to him and his brother. Right. Also on Hulu, I watched the special Truth and Lies, the Menendez brothers, which is kind of opposite because it's, it's pretty tough on the guys. Wow. I've seen that one's been getting recommended to me. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it's like one of those 2020 specials. Like it has like literally footage of like Barbara Walters. Interviewing it's like them an hour or something. Uh huh. Yeah. OK, cool. Uh, I didn't rewatch it for this, but of course, I did see the Lifetime movie starring Courtney Love as Kitty Menendez a few years ago when it came out. That yes. one, I remember that one being trash and not in a fun way. Like that one was just trash. So don't, don't waste your time on that shit. <laughs> um, also, a few years ago, I watched the Law and Order True Crime series about them starring Edie Falco as their attorney, Leslie Abramson, which is inspired casting. And that should have been great, but I never finished it because it was fucking boring. So don't go out of your way to watch that shit. Wow. <laughs> and now you've reminded me of the true Hollywood story. I know I saw that back in the day. Like, yeah, that <laughs> one used to be like a fake because VH1 would play that shit. E. E would play that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine people like like that one. Right. You know? Yeah. Needless to say, I've seen a lot of Menendez Brothers shit in my day. So because I'm a messy bitch and I live for the drama. So <laughs> <laughs> ask me <Same>. anything. <laughs> same. Man, same. <laughs> Okay, so to understand what the fuck happened here, we need to learn a little bit about Kitty and Jose. Mary Louise, or Kitty Anderson, was born in the suburbs of Chicago on hmm. October 14th, 1941. Happy birthday, I guess, right? <laughs> I know, yeah, seriously. I know for sure that Kitty has at least two siblings, a brother and a sister. 
it's tough with Kitty because for some reason there isn't a whole lot of info on her online, like at, at least not as much as you would imagine, and especially yeah. compared to literally everybody else in the story. Yeah, that's sad. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Kitty came from a very middle class family, what we'd call quote unquote normal, except for the fact that her father was very abusive to her mother, both physically and emotionally. Oh no. He would also beat the kids sometimes. Oh no. When Kitty was a kid, her dad abandoned the family to shack up with his mistress, and this fucked Kitty up big time. I bet. Like, ever since then, it's like, it's only Imagine the 50s, of time. that shit happened? Exactly, because the, the yeah. people just stayed in those fucking loveless, fucked up mar marriages forever, which is not better, but like... Yeah, I mean, like, and then on top of it, I don't know, like, that does, doesn't happen. Like, it's a right. scandal. It's You're a like, huge scandal. yeah. Yeah, and now she's got, like, abandonment issues and, like, yeah. and this is the example of the man that she has in her life. Like, he's going to beat her and mm -hmm. her mother and he's going to just pick up and leave, you know? Right. So after that, she was always moody and depressed and didn't have any real friends. Mm. She she did, however, have her looks and she won a couple beauty pageants, so there was that. She ended up going to Southern Illinois University where she met a boy named Jose Menendez. So let's talk about Jose. Jose Enrique Menendez was born on May 6th, 1944 in Habana, Cuba. Hey. Azuka. <laughs> <laughs> Jose's upbringing could not have been more different from Kitty's. His dad was a national soccer star in his youth and later owned his own accounting firm. His mom was one of the most famous athletes in Cuban history. She was a champion swimmer. Oh, wow. So they weren't, they weren't like ultra rich or anything. They were, you know, upper middle class, but they were prominent and right. respected. Right. And of course, they were comfortable financially. So Jose and his two sisters had a great childhood, except that Jose was known for being a bully and was basically a monster problem child to his parents. Like, they loved him, but they understood that, like, he's, like, like there's something wrong with him. Like, he's fucked up. Right. Also, everything changed in 1959 when Fidel Castro came through and started seizing the property of the wealthy and the upper middle class. Mm -hmm. So Jose and his family had to get the fuck out of Cuba. Jose was the first in his immediate family to get the chance to flee, and he came over to the U.S. in 1960 at age 16 with literally nothing, not a bag, just the clothes on his back. That's wild. Mm -hmm. At 16, that's fucking scary. That's super scary. He worked as a dishwasher while he lived in the attic of some extended family in Pennsylvania and worked his ass off in high school to ultimately earn a swimming scholarship to college. He'd wanted to go to an Ivy League, but there just wasn't going to be enough money for that. So that's how he ended up at Southern Illinois with Kitty. The Ivy League thing would end up being a huge chip on his shoulder, it seems, and more on that later. Also being a dishwasher because he'd come from such a prominent family. Yeah, like he has an ego. Exactly. So He needs it to be stroked. <laughs> <laughs> so that really fucked him up because he thought he was too good for that. He was like, how, like, he would look around him and be like, how the fuck did I end up here? And I will never, ever allow myself to stay here. Right. Like, period. So that's definitely part of his like villain origin story. So Kitty and Jose met and fell in love and wanted to get married right away. But their families weren't having it. 
first of all, they were really young. Cause I was like 19 or 20 and Kitty was only three years older. Also, Kitty's parents thought Jose was trash because he was Latino. And Jose's parents thought Kitty was trash because she came from a broken home. But whatever, it was love and the two married anyway in 1963. Kitty worked as an elementary school teacher and Jose used his accounting degree to become a CPA. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. That's really great. I'm an accountant. Have you heard that thing? <laughs> what? Nobody asks you any questions when you say you're an accountant. Yes. Who says that? Where is that from? Sorry. It's from TikTok. <laughs> I opened TikTok because I want to find it. Yeah. I, I saw that. <laughs> it's really funny. I think it's I think it's some uh, gay guy who just made the song. A full-time job as an accountant. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody asks you questions. It's that's fucking tight. Like, it's honestly, true. yeah, I'm gonna start telling people I'm an accountant because, right, because it's like boring. And like, you know what it is, so you don't really have questions and it's boring. So you're just yeah, like, okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can't ask them for help with anything. Right. So it's like, all right. <laughs> not like me. People want free legal <laughs> advice up the ass. <laughs> the couple moved first to New York City and later to New Jersey when their first son, Joseph Lyle Menendez, was born on January 10th, 1968. Kitty quit her job when Lyle came around, and just in time, too, because she would soon have her hands full when baby Eric was born on November 27th, 1970. Damn, that's fast. So fast, back to back. It's weird because Jose and Kitty sound super in love at first, especially because they had this, like, star-crossed lovers shit going on. Yeah, people didn't want them to be together. Right, and they had, like, their perfect little family with their two perfect little boys. And, yeah, it's just, like, it set them up to be perfect. But by by all accounts, they were very cold to each other and don't show each other or their children any affection. Ooh. Yeah. Then why have them? <laughs> right. <laughs> the fuck? Well, it's... I think at that time you were that's what you were expected, expected to do. Expected, yeah. Meanwhile, Jose was crushing it at his job. He was poached from his CPA job by one of his clients and rose through the ranks of that company to become president all within three years. God damn. This fool was like ruthless. Yeah. But then in nineteen seventy he became involved in a power struggle with the board and ended up leaving to work for Hertz, the car rental company. Okay. As an executive in the leasing division in 1971. Okay. So now we're at a whole other level. He's an executive at a big ass corporation. And bam, by 1973, he's the CFO. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. And bam, by 1979, he's the worldwide general manager. Holy shit. So by all means, this was a meteoric rise. And you don't shoot up to the top of an industry like that without making some enemies. Right. You will not find a single person who worked with, with or for Jose, and for that matter, anyone who knew him at all, even in a personal capacity, who would say something nice about this asshole. Wow. Yeah. That is, damn. It's bad. Because you yeah. always, have, you hear those people who are like, oh, yeah, like, he fucking sucked, but he was a great friend or something. Yeah. There's somebody like that in my office really We're, like everybody hates him like especially in other firms like they're like oh you work with him like he's uh -huh. just aggressive and grumpy right and old and i love him right yeah like he's so cool like to me and like i get how he could be with other people but because some people 
are not their work. You know, like it, some people do have like a, a, a separation. Right. But it sounds like he just wasn't like he was just like a dick. And they, we knew that back in Cuba. His right. sister says that like he's a fucking bully. He's a piece yeah, of shit. Yeah, like, that's right. His parents said it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he objectively fucking sucked. Quote, he would manage to have the right words to ridicule and intimidate and humiliate and manipulate anyone that was present so that he could control. Mm-hmm. That's that's Marta Menendez Cano, uh, Jose's sister. Oh, damn. <laughs> she said that on the fucking stand, by the way. Damn. <laughs> so he's just like the absolute worst. Also around this time, he started seeing his main mistress, Louise. He also frequented sex workers, but Louise was like his main bitch in the city. And they had their own friends and their own life together. And they were together like this for almost 10 years. That's so wild. That seems so exhausting to me. Right. Yeah. Just yeah, leave truly. your wife. Like Exactly. Why do you do this? But he, <laughs> he made it clear to Louise that he wasn't going to leave Kitty, though. And I don't right. think Louise was, was trying for that either. Because she had all the upside, right? Like, she'd get him, like, on the weekends. And, uh-huh. you know, they would have, like, little parties together at her townhouse that I'm sure he was paying for. And, like, you know. Yeah. Anyway, Kitty would eventually find out about this and his other affairs. And let's just say Kitty did not take it well. She already had issues because of what her dad did to her mom and her family. Right. So she just thought this was the ultimate betrayal and that it was history repeating itself, which made her fall into a deep depression, allegedly exacerbated by an alcohol and pill problem. Ooh. Also, according to her sister Joan, Kitty had anger and rage issues, so it was a fucking mess. Wow. But God forbid anyone find out that the Menendez family was anything less than perfect. So Jose and Kitty did everything in their power to maintain this facade of perfection. Yeah. And that's why he's not going to leave her, right? Because he wants that. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's got this this white, white as snow girl from the Midwest. His little uh, lacrosse playing sons and shit. Uh, uh-huh. Exactly. So they bought this amazing estate. They sent the boys to the best schools they played their parts really fucking well but it was all fake yeah she even had a little pill problem this shit is perfect <laughs> this is just textbook over here <laughs> pop a couple valium have a lunch with martini yeah yeah i low-key i want to be kidding me this Kiss sounds fucking great <laughs> <laughs> a nickname like kitty that shit's dope <laughs> anyway at some point rca Bought Hertz, which I didn't know. And after the acquisition, Jose was passed up for the position of president of Hertz, but was instead transferred to the music division at RCA, which, although he wasn't as high up in title, was still a step up because RCA was just so fucking huge, you know? Yeah, and entertainment is just cha-ching. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he ended up excelling in the entertainment industry, too. He personally had a hand in signing acts like Duran Duran, the Eurythmics, Menudo, and Jose Feliciano. (laughs) (laughs) The man just had a fucking Midas touch or something. It's crazy. Then in 1986, he left RCA when he was offered the position of president of a video distribution and production company called Live Entertainment. Live was responsible for such titles as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, (laughs) damn. That's That was huge huge in the 80s. Yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is like this huge fucking conglomerate. Right. 
And uh, like they were, they had a hand in producing the Rambo movies too. But that happened like before he got there. But then he also had a hand in like the distribution of the the videos and stuff, which videos were like just popping off at that time. So have you ever seen Rambo? Yeah, I saw the first one. I think. Okay, I don't. Want, my brother's gonna kill me, but I never seen them. You don't need to see those. Yeah, like I, mean, I have yeah. no interest in. Yeah. In that. Also, I feel like the Arnold. Schwar- if you're gonna watch those movies, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger ones, are better. Mm-hmm, okay. Like Predator. Predator is pretty good. Oh, Predator is cool. Yeah. yeah. Predator is kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> the alien's real scary. Yeah. And we all know what it means to be a movie executive, right? It means we're going to Hollywood, baby. <laughs> and Jose and Kitty moved the family all the way across the country to Calabasas, California. What a flex. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now I want to shift gears and back up a little bit and talk about the boys. Okay. It's also like weird. Uh, this was also an issue like at the trial and stuff that we refer to them as the boys. Yeah. Because they're like men. Grown. But, but it's just like shorthand. Like they're, you know. Yeah. Anyway. So from a storytelling perspective, this topic was kind of hard because I'm sure everyone knows the gist of the story, but still you want the story to unravel in a compelling way. So I haven't revealed too, too much about what's really going on because i kind of want to paint the picture that most everyone saw from the outside right because it became so shocking exactly yeah and it makes like what is coming up next that much more shocking you know right but let's talk a little bit about how how the boys grew up they were expected to help maintain that menendez facade just like kitty and jose did they were expected to be perfect Nothing less than perfection was accepted from them, particularly by Jose, who viewed and treated them as what a lot of people would later refer to as, quote unquote, thoroughbred horses. Oh, fuck. Yeah. They were the ultimate and literal manifestation, aside from his wealth, of course, of his success and his achievement of the American dream. Oh, he's a fucking dance mom. Yeah, exactly. Like, to Jose, if his sons weren't the best... They were failures, and by extension, he was a failure. And Jose motherfucking Menendez was not a motherfucking failure. Right. So from the jump, expectations and pressure for both Lyle and Eric are at levels that are just impossible to maintain. Kitty and Jose would do the boys' homework from, like, kindergarten through high school so that they would get perfect scores. Oh, my gosh. But then, of course, the boys would fail the tests. And then Lyle would ultimately prove to be a mostly meh student. Eric was okay, a mostly B student, but academically, neither of them lived up to expectations. I mean, it was never going to be enough, honestly. Right. What were they going to do? Right. I mean, I guess go to an Ivy League that maybe might have appeased him, but... Right. Yeah. For how long? Uh Someone like that is never satiated. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. It's insatiable. Yeah. Yeah. Are they tall? They are, right? Yeah, they're they're kind of tall. Okay. Oh, they're six two. Yeah, they're pretty fucking tall. Yeah, they're pretty tall. All right. Anyways, both boys played tennis from a young age. Lyle was good. Eric was really good. He was at one point ranked forty fourth in the country for eighteen and under players. Oh damn! And he had aspirations to play professionally one day. Jose made sure that the boys had top-level tennis coaches, but would participate in their training sessions by verbally abusing them and berating them if they weren't playing to the standard that he deemed acceptable. 
so yeah it's like it's exactly what you're saying it's that he's never satisfied right I, for one, if I had a child who was ranked 44th in the country at anything, I'd be like, oh, damn, like, that's amazing. <laughs> I would I would have to stop myself from, like, overpraising them. Right, right. Because I'd be like, I'm going to fuck them up this way. Like, right. yeah, <laughs> they're exactly. going to think they're God. <laughs> <laughs> so although Lyle was somewhat social and well-liked at school and with girls, the boys weren't really allowed to have friends. Hmm. S- certainly not close friends. No one could really come over to their house or anything like that. So besides each other, they were only really close to some cousins. And even then, the cousins were all sort of kept at some sort of a distance so that no one could get close enough to see the cracks in the Menendez facade. This is fucked up. This is like the... I don't want to say that. This is a fucked up type of abuse. It's already abusive and we haven't even gotten to like the 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 technical... yeah. Yeah, but, like, just isolating like that, like, is... Absolutely. Because you must feel like, okay, well, I'm not... Well, okay. But you must feel like, okay, well, there's nothing I could say. Like, they're just uh-huh. strict. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's like that by design. Right. You know? But he can't hide everything all the time. For instance, their tennis coaches saw the verbal and emotional abuse that their father inflicted upon them on a regular basis. Also throughout their lives, particularly in their short tennis shorts and shirts, people would see welts and bruises from the physical abuse and punishments that Jose inflicted on them, including sticking thumbtacks in their thighs and (gasps) buttocks. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. He's a, he's a sadist. Yeah. It's like, yeah. In front of the cousins, Jose would throw the boys off of a boat when they were kids, even though they weren't good swimmers. And then he would like row away and then told them that they were on their own to get back into the boat, like like literally sink or swim, you know? Jesus. According to Eric, he would hold their heads underwater in their pool sometimes until they would get close to passing out to quote unquote toughen them up. What? Mm hmm. And that Kitty would lock them in a small closet from anywhere from one hour to over a day when she wanted to punish them. (gasps) She'd leave a Tupperware container in a closet in case they needed to relieve themselves. Oh, wow. Thank you. And Eric says that he started hiding food in there so that he'd be able to get through one of the longer punishments. Wow. And another thing. In the summer of 1976, Kitty's 17-year-old niece, Diane, briefly lived at the Menendez home. At that time, eight-year-old Lyle asked her if he could sleep next to her because he was scared. Scared because at night his dad would come into his room and force Lyle to touch him, quote, down there, while Jose touched Lyle, too. Oh, no. Diane, horrified, immediately ran and told Kitty, who just brushed it off as lies. At age 13, Eric asked his cousin Andy if it was normal for dads to give massages to their son's genitals. And he wrote Andy letters asking for advice because the massages began to hurt. Did they have those letters at trial? Yeah. That's scary. According to Kitty's niece, if the boys were alone with Jose in a room, it was understood by everyone in the house, including Kitty, all the cousins, like everyone, that they were to be left alone. You couldn't even go on the same floor as them. That's corroborated by another cousin who says that when they were kids, 
he thought about entering the closed door after Jose would inevitably take one of the boys away, but that he would hear little screams of pain and told himself that it was smarter to stay away. According to Eric, since age eight, his father would tell him that he would kill him if he ever told anyone. Jesus. That he'd, quote, rip his guts out. He would graphically describe what he would do to him if he ever told anyone. He allegedly described in graphic detail what the inside of his head would look like after his death. Oh my god. All this abuse most likely contributed to Lyle being a bedwetter well into his teens. Hmm. And unfortunately for him, Jose would bring his wet sheets down to the breakfast table to humiliate him for it in front of the rest of the family. Oh, gosh. Lyle said that aside from penetrating him with his penis, Jose would also sodomize him with different objects, including a toothbrush. And unfortunately, Lyle said that at times when they were kids, that Lyle would take Eric into the woods and sodomize him with a toothbrush as well. <gasps> mimicking the behavior that he learned from his father oh my god that part is really fucked up at trial because it's like this is not something that someone would make up you know what i mean like right yeah and it's just like you can see like lyle is obviously ashamed when he's telling the story on the stand but like eric right. is eric is ashamed and just like you can just tell like reliving it sort of and just mm. like just letting it wash all over him and just breaking down. Like, it's just really fucked up. Yeah. Jose would also do what he called pain training on the boys. Like, he'd make Lyle beat the shit out of Eric when they were kids. And when Lyle would cry because he didn't want to hurt his brother anymore, Jose would beat Lyle for being weak. Jesus. So, we're really dealing with, like, what's pretty damn close to the worst case scenario situation. Right. Oh, we've talked about child abuse before on the podcast. And aside from Jeannie the Feral Child and maybe Gypsy Rose Blanchard, I, I can't really think of like what's been worse than No, worse this than is this. yeah, those three are mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now there's the question if you believe them. Which at the time this became one of the most famous court cases on the planet, it seemed like few people did. Because, like, everything that you were describing in the beginning is what everybody knew of this family. That they were uh -huh. fucking perfect. That yeah. their sons were tennis players. And their yep. dad was super successful. And they had this little Stepford mom. And, like, mm -hmm. you know. So then for them to go into court and now paint this entirely different picture. Those people's minds were fucking blown. Exactly. It just, like, does not compute. You know, yeah. <laughs> like. It's just, like, what? Like, how right. could that be the front to yeah. like this horrific like mm -hmm. background and today some people still don't believe them but i think there's enough evidence that it did happen they were talking about it happening to trusted family since they were like eight years old right you know this isn't some sort of diabolical long con by literal children you know right like at eight years old you're not like huh how am I going to frame my parents for sexual abuse? And even one brother talking about how he did it to the other brother because uh -huh. he just learned that behavior. And right. Yeah. Yeah. So also we have to remember that at the time there were less resources for children who were victims of abuse, especially sexual abuse and especially boys. Boys. Yeah. There were no hotlines. Nothing. Also, the way their family presented themselves to the world, like what you were saying, who would believe them even if they did go outside the family for help? Right. 
And no one wants to believe that this prototype for the wealthy, attractive American dream family could have a dark side. Because mm-hmm. maybe that means that we as a, society, as a society should question, are those the things that are really important? Are like those the marks of success that we should be trying to achieve? Right. And honestly, like people don't want to people don't want to believe that a man like mm-hmm. Jose Menendez would do something like that. Right. You it's know, true. he's fucking prestigious. Or yeah, fuck. exactly. Because you're supposed to look at him and think, I want to be that. Exactly. You know, so yeah. it's like, do you want to be that? That like, it just like doesn't it, if you want that, then like, do you have to accept like this? The good with the bad, the dark with the light, you know? Yeah. And, you know, Jose certainly made them think that no one would believe them. And not only that no one would believe them, but that he'd retaliate if they even tried. Maybe he'd even kill them. So at least for me, there's no question in my my mind that the abuse happened. Like, that's... Oh, yeah. Period. Right. And, like, that's a completely separate issue from... I mean, you can't completely separate it, but I don't think there's not... there's, There's not a good reason to not believe these kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the alleged sexual abuse was at first only with Lyle from a young age, I believe either from like six or eight. I can't remember. And Jose told him not to tell anyone, obviously. So he didn't talk about it with anyone, including his brother or his mother. Lyle does claim that from a young age, he'd also hop into bed with his mom and touch her all over. Whoa. For comfort. I guess, or something. I don't know. Because his dad did say, like, try to say shit like, oh, I'm doing this because I love you or whatever, you know? Right. So it's just, he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand. You Nobody understands sex that young, you know? Like, so they don't even realize that they're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's really interesting to me is Kitty's sister Joan's reaction to this. When asked if she believes this, Joan was basically like, my first instinct is to say, no way. My sister would never do that. That's ridiculous. But then I think, wait, but what kind of a mother stands by when she knows that her kids are being abused in such horrific ways and just lets it happen? So if she was capable of that, why wouldn't she be capable of participating in the abuse herself? Right. It's not that big of a mental leap. Right. Joan also says that because they grew up in abusive in an abusive home that she sees Kitty's behavior as consistent with continuing the cycle of abuse. That's true. Mm-hmm. Everyone on both sides of the family believe the boys about the abuse, by the way, which is really compelling to me. Yeah. Everyone except Kitty's brother, Brian. He doesn't buy any of it at all. Not the physical abuse, not the emotional abuse, not the sexual abuse. He's like, my sister was a saint. My brother-in-law was great. End of story. Fingers in his ears. I don't want to hear that shit. Okay. Brian's son, who witnessed some shit here and there when they were kids, nothing explicit, but certainly things that made him uncomfortable. And like, especially like in hindsight. Right. He says that he never told his dad what he'd seen when he was a kid because he knew that his dad would react that way and would just shut it down and not believe it. Anyway, so Lyle was being abused, but at some point before his teens, the sexual abuse stopped and Jose started exclusively sexually abusing Eric. Mm. Eric, of Eric cor- was younger, right? Yeah. Yeah. Eric, of course, was told that he had to keep this a secret from everyone, including Lyle. And the difference being that apparently the sexual abuse of Eric never stopped. Oh, no. Okay, so prior to the move to California, Lyle gets into Princeton and moves out. 
He actually didn't have the grades to get in, but he was good at tennis and his dad made a $50,000 donation. So that was that. Okay. (laughs) Jose bought his son's way into an Ivy League school. Okay. (laughs) But I mean, like mission accomplished, right? That's what he fucking wanted. Right. He's also, I was going to ask you if you think this is, because I certainly see this with immigrants, but I'm sure it's like more people, but like the more success their children have and like the flashier his children's clothes are and stuff like the more that he seemed to take that as like prize but yeah success of him like that was a reflection on him which is like yeah i don't get that but yeah i think that a lot of immigrants feel that way that's why like so many immigrants push for their kids to be like the the two most like uh safe successful oh, like careers. a doctor lawyer doctor lawyer that's it mm-hmm. that's like what your every immigrant parent is going to tell their kids doctor lawyer doctor yeah. lawyer so yeah. it's 2020 tell them to get into tech come on now <laughs> <laughs> right step your game up yeah. <laughs> so jose bought his son's way into an ivy league school except that lyle wasn't really princeton material and ended up almost immediately getting a one-year suspension after plagiarizing something that's what's up my dude <laughs> <laughs> what bruno got it- mad <laughs> Bruno Bruno also plagiarized his fucking his obedience Paw school. Academy, yeah. <laughs> Bruno got kicked out of Paw Patrol. <laughs> so in the midst of all of that, the move to Calabasas happens. So by all accounts, the brothers were bratty little pieces of shit. Like, right. <laughs> like when Lyle got suspended, Kitty and Jose punished him by taking away his credit cards. But then he retaliated by just stealing hers and racking up thousands of dollars in charges. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Lyle also participated in some bling ring bullshit, minor burglaries. And then in an effort to keep up with his brother and to show off, Eric escalated this behavior and he organized like a real fucking professional like burglar, like string of burglaries. Like. Okay, Ocean's <laughs> <laughs> He rented out a moving truck and apparently pulled up to houses and ended up stealing like $100,000 worth of stuff. Oh, shit. Yeah, like... Damn, like like, big time. Like big time, yeah. They got caught. And Jose apparently went around to the neighbors with his checkbook and was like, how much did they take? How much to make it go away? Oh, damn. Mm -hmm. So the boys ultimately ended up getting like a couple months of probation and court-ordered therapy for this. The prosecutor of their trial was like, yeah, if this happened in Compton, we'd just send them away to prison. But they're rich, so they got therapy and probation but honestly like we should do that for like (laughs) yeah for everyone for everyone like she was mad she wanted them to go to jail but like what we should (laughs) want is for the other people to have therapy and probation yeah you're right not even a slap on the wrist for these guys and they're just clearly acting out lashing out i mean they have pretty terrible home lives and they're angsty bored rich teenagers Right. All of this isn't necessarily unexpected, I guess, like given the circumstances. Right. And like the way they like, of course, the they later describe like their days as like they would have to get up at like 430 to be at tennis practice by five before school. Then they would go to school. Then they would have tennis practice after school. Then maybe they would get berated and abused by their parents between like you know (laughs) between like five and eight and then they would do their homework (laughs) then they would do their homework between like eight and 11 then they'd go to sleep and start all over again you know right so it's like 
something a little light robbery to break up the monotony right right uh jose was apparently furious about this whole burglary criminal aspect oh yeah (laughs) not necessarily that they'd become criminals but that they'd gotten caught right so of course they were punished and abused for bringing shame to the family they ended up moving away from Calabasas to escape the bad reputation that they had there and to get the boys away from what they perceived to be bad influences there. So they moved to Beverly Hills, swimming pools, movie stars. Damn. <laughs> they moved to a house on 722 Elm Street, previously occupied by the likes of Elton John and Prince. Jesus. Imagine you got to get away from your bad reputation and you go to Beverly Hills. <laughs> Escape to Beverly Hills. Yeah. <laughs> I actually just rode my bike in front of that house two weeks ago. It's a really pretty block. The house still looks exactly the same. They really stepped up into the big time status wise with this move. And why not? It's 1989. Jose was still fucking killing it at work. Everyone there still thinks that he's the biggest asshole they've ever met. Right. But but he doesn't fucking care. He's getting rich and getting more powerful. Meanwhile, his marriage is still fucking horrible. Kitty, of course, has to just grit her teeth and ignore that he still has his main bitch in New York, another one locally in LA, plus who knows however many disposable ones. Right. He apparently slapped Kitty around a lot now. Oh no. And she was self destructing. She overdosed on Valium in what a lot of people consider a suicide attempt. Oh, the boys are acting what is, out. What is Valium for? Like, what is it supposed to be for? Uh, anxiety. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the boys are acting out and embarrassing the family. And Jose and Kitty start threatening to take them out of their wills to try to straighten them out. Oh, shit. So things are coming to a head and something's got to give. Right. For 18-year-old Eric, things are terrible, but he kind of sees the light at the end of the tunnel. He's going to UCLA in the fall, and at minimum, that means he doesn't have to sleep at home anymore. Right. So so he's like, finally, finally, the sexual abuse will stop. He starts to get into screenwriting as a hobby with a friend and actually writes a terrible script about some kids who kill their parents for the insurance money. Why, Sway? Mm Mm-hmm. Why? Do with that information what you will, but... He thinks, oh, okay, maybe this is something I could do with my life on some Hollywood. I mean, he's in Hollywood now, you know? So it's like. Mm. For 21-year-old Lyle, he doesn't have that light at the end of the of the tunnel that Eric does, at least in theory. He's still fucking up. Among other things, his school situation is weird. He hates Princeton and wants to transfer, but Jose isn't having that because he's like. I paid 50K for you to go there. Yeah, and, like, he wants to transfer to, like, um, maybe UCLA or to Berkeley or something, like, and he's, like... Come on, bro. Yeah. It's not gonna happen. Uh Uh-huh. He also has a girlfriend that Jose doesn't like. He thinks... Jose thinks that she's only in in it for the money. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So what? (laughs) Then Lyle gets into a huge blowout fight with Kitty, and Kitty rips his to pay off. Oh, Apparently, Lyle had started balding, and Jose thought that this was unacceptable and and forced him to wear a toupee. Wow. Eric witnessed this fight from down the hall, and he didn't know that his brother wore a toupee, and he was fucking shook. And it sounds weird that this was a tipping point, but it really was. Yeah. Eric was like, I can't believe that I didn't know that about my own brother. 
Right. There are too many secrets in this house, and I feel like that ends today. So he ends up having a complete breakdown, crying, and spilling his guts to Lyle about the sexual abuse. He says something like, you know what dad used to do to us when we were kids? It's still happening. And it never stopped. This apparently sends Lyle into a rage. And he's like, you know what? Don't worry about that anymore because it's never going to happen again. So Lyle confronts Jose shortly thereafter. And he's like, over my dead body, are you ever fucking touching my brother again? Or I swear to God, I'll tell everyone all of your fucking secrets. Damn. And I guess Jose is like, no, you won't. And if you do, I'll fucking kill you. Oh, shit. Allegedly, you know, and and Kitty's like, do you really want to destroy this family? Kitty's all faded and shit. (laughs) (laughs) She's spilling her martini. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Kitty's like, fuck that. Quote, I hate you. I wish you had never been born. (gasps) I could have I could have been something in my life if it wasn't for you. this was also something that she told that she told jose's sister on a few occasions so like that's she she said it you know right that's like very like uh of that era like that Uh reminds me of uh betty draper Mm -hmm. like someone who just shouldn't have had children exactly you would have been so much happier yeah someone who just had children because it was expected and like really wanted her own identity Mm -hmm. and then it's just so fucked up for them back then too because it was like you have children, you stay home, you know? Exactly. It's That's your like, identity now. Yeah. You're, now you're a mom. Now you don't even have a name. You're mom in the house. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so they don't even get at least like t- the fucking, I don't know, at least a job like where you right. could go at least be yourself for a while. Yeah. And if you did have that, then you were judged by like yeah, all you're the a women mom. who couldn't do that or wouldn't do that or something. Right. I actually just read the Stafford Wives and it's like a lot about that. It, you you might like it. It's really quick. I read it in like a day. Oh yeah, maybe I'll rent that. So yeah, K- Kitty was starting to be pretty open about the rage and hate she had for her sons. Uh, allegedly, she also really did rewrite her will on the family computer and made sure that the boys knew that she did it. So some people say like, oh, this was when they decided. Yeah. But but we don't really know because actually the like after the murders they brought in someone to like wipe their computers mm. that doesn't look good but i mean i guess it was smart because yeah well, what were they gonna find on there <laughs> yeah, How to yeah, kill yeah. Your mom. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna find that script that that's what <laughs> two brothers <laughs> named schmerick and kyle <laughs> fucking idiot <laughs> So according to the guys, they'd now started to fear for their lives. So they take a friend's ID and drive down to San Diego and buy some shotguns for protection. This is where I'm kind of on the fence about their story, by the way. Like I said, I don't doubt the abuse, but things are about to get murky. Mm -hmm. The guys, no, the, the family chartered a boat in Marina del Rey on August 19th, 1989. And according to the guys, this is when their, uh, according to the guys, when their parents told them about this trip, like, they looked at each other terrified, like, like is this going to be it? Like, are they going to make us disappear on this boat? Right. Fuck, I wouldn't <laughs> go on a boat with that dad. <laughs> or they, you know, maybe they won't make us disappear, but maybe we're going to have some sort of accident and they can, like, get rid of the the evidence on a boat. Like, they just, like, are, it sounds like they're real paranoid, or at least that's their story, that they're real fucking paranoid. Right. According to the captain of the boat, all four of them were acting weird and on edge and didn't really interact each- with each other. What so a fun the- day. 
<laughs> right. Why would you, why do you ever want to, like, Eric and Lyle obviously don't have a choice. Like, right. if their dad says we're going to go on this fucking boat, you're going on the boat. But, like, right. why? Yeah. So, uh, at the end of the day, obviously nothing bad happened on the boat ride. Cut to a couple nights later, August 20th. Jose informs Eric that, oh, by the way, I don't want you living on campus full time. You're going to have to stay at home four nights a week. Where's Eric going? Sorry. UCLA. Oh, okay. This causes Eric to break down. Yeah, because he didn't want to sleep there anymore. He didn't want to get abused anymore. Yeah. He takes that to mean that Jose is going to continue to rape him. And that's why he wants him to stay home and that this is going to go on forever. Right. By the way, Eric at the time does not seem like a stable person. Like you can later see footage of him on the witness stand during their trials. And he's just like a broken, sobbing mess. Like right. So I can absolutely picture him straight up having a nervous breakdown when, when he tells Lyle what happens. So Jose and Kitty go into the family room to watch the James Bond film, The Spy Who Loved Me. Apparently, Lyle goes downstairs and has a big fight with them over the Eric situation. At some point, he comes back upstairs and tells Eric, they're going to kill us. It has to happen now. So they go out to the car. They load the shotguns come back into the house, go into the family room, and just start blasting. They practically, literally blow Jose's head off. Kitty doesn't die instantly. We know that because there was some blood found on the tread of her sneakers, like she stood up to try to run away. Mm. The guys have to go outside to reload their guns from the ammo they have in their car, and they come back in to finish Kitty off point blank. Then they wait. They think for sure that the police are going to get there any minute because the houses in the neighborhood aren't particularly far from each other. Right. But this is Beverly Hills. One of the funniest things about this story is how often people want to bring up Beverly Hills and the culture in Beverly Hills. Everyone loves to say, in Beverly Hills, like they're Kyle Richards and every one of her Real Housewives intro taglines. Right, right, right. <laughs> anyway. In Beverly Hills, apparently people don't know what gunshots sound like because <laughs> <laughs> and they just mind their own business. Oh, true. But uh, the neighbors apparently heard the gunshots, but they were like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> fireworks. Fi- fireworks. Exactly. They were like, they must be fireworks. Rich people don't shoot each other. So they definitely weren't gunshots. And I definitely don't have to call the police. Right. Anyway, back to finding my next tax loophole. So after a while, fucking, am I right? <laughs> so after a while, they're like, the police aren't coming. <laughs> so they pick up all the shotgun shells and go discard the weapons by quickly burying them off of Maholland. Then they go to the movies to try to establish an alibi. Oh. And they try to meet up with a friend that they had previously made a date with at what I saw described in an LA Times article from the time as, quote, Beverly Hills Restaurant. The Cheesecake Factory. Shut <laughs> up, man. That's what's up. It was 1989. I wonder when Cheesecake Factory like, became like off. everywhere. Yeah. 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 And That's I funny. don't. Is there still a Cheesecake Factory in Beverly Hills? I don't think so. I doubt it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, their friend stands them up or is like super late or something, but they don't end up finding him, which sucks because they're trying to establish. The whole point is they're trying to establish an alibi, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, so they go back home. And at 11.47 p.m., they make the infamous 911 call. Oh, yeah. There actually is a Cheesecake Factory off of Rodeo. 
Really? Yeah. What? On North Beverly. That's funny. Hey, man, rich people love cheesecakes. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody loves cheesecakes. That kind of shit is universal. So anyway, you hear Eric crying hysterically in Mm -hmm. the background. Lyle is the one that's doing the talking and he's like they he's crying and he's screaming he's like they killed my parents yeah, <laughs> yeah. and the line the 911 operator is like who and he's like I don't know and he's like uh, they're like who did they shoot and he's like my mom and dad like it's doesn't he say something that's kind of like does it make sense he nothing he's he's just hysterical okay like, he's not making any sense the only okay. thing that's coming out is that his parents are, have been shot okay at one point, he does tell Eric, he's like, Eric, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> the police get there literally within two minutes of the call. Oh, yeah. They don't got shit to do over there. Right. Yeah. They have, I think I read that they had two homicides in Beverly Hills a year. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So they, the, bro- the brothers are taken to the police station that same night for statements and aren't considered suspects at all. Uh, they were a mess during the questioning and explained that it's possible that their parents were victims of one of their father's shady business partners. I mean, the crime scene did resemble a mafia-style hit. Yeah, and- it's like crazy. Yeah. And the mafia did have ties to parts of Jose's video distribution business because they controlled the adult film industry at the time. Oh. So this wasn't like completely out of the realm of possibility right but also they didn't suspect the boys or even test them for gunshot residue or anything because in beverly hills right (laughs) money gives you endorphins endorphins make you happy and happy kids just don't kill their parents (laughs) (laughs) one of jose's co-workers said that when he heard the news the next day he felt sad because he wasn't surprised that jose had been murdered that's crazy (laughs) He said that Jose was in the top five people he imagined would have gotten murdered. That's fucking crazy, me. That's how much of an asshole this motherfucker was. I That's mean, fucking it's sad. Not for nothing, yeah. It reminded me of when everybody was real happy that Trump got sick. No, yeah, for sure. So anyway, he that guy didn't suspect the boys either. He knew them. Like he was like a close associate of Jose's. Um, he assumed that the police were on the right track exploring the mafia ties. Because also it sounds like Jose would like try to make himself sound like a big shot. Like, right. Like he could take people out like if they crossed him or right. whatever. But it doesn't sound like he really did have ties to like the underworld or anything. Anyway, the mafia lead quickly started falling apart by the next morning. First of all, the cops found a shotgun shell in one of Lyle's jacket pockets. <laughs> and okay, sure, that looks bad, but who fucking knows? Whatever. Also, the morning after the murders, Lyle shows up at the crime scene and asks to go get their tennis gear. Ugh. And the detective is like, what the fuck? Like, you guys just found your parents murdered a few hours ago and now you're trying to go play tennis. Right. And so the detective is like, where's the stuff? And Kyle was like, it's in the room with my parents. So everyone thought like they were kind of cold and weird. Yeah. Also, they lower they lawyered up that same day, which okay. the police didn't like. Yeah. I mean, it's smart, but like, eh. it does kind of wave a flag, right? Yeah. Right. But, but I, I mean, I would lawyer up. I would tell everybody to lawyer up. Exactly. And yeah. also, I think like considering you're about to have like a like a big estate to deal with. Right. 
like it's probably smart to just like start moving in that direction. Yeah, 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 exactly. Meanwhile, the story is spreading across Los Angeles and the country really like wildfire. It's huge. A brutal double homicide in one of the wealthiest, most exclusive areas in the world. <laughs> this is like the plot of Nightcrawler. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So this is a fucking story. This is like what everyone's waiting for on edge. Like there's like a red phone in every news bureau in the world that's like yeah. it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> also, Lyle and Eric were poised to inherit their parents' estimated fourteen million dollar estates. Imagine that, May. Fourteen million. Somebody just from in 89 yeah and from, from nothing. nothing yeah mm-hmm. it's fucking wild i think that's closer to like 30 million in today's money from that's someone insane. who literally the shirt on his back the dishwasher yeah mm-hmm. that's yeah. fucking that's oh see that's why people don't want to believe it about mm-hmm. him like you don't want to believe that right yeah but i it makes me more likely to believe it because you had to be yeah, ruthless who did you to kill do that along the way yep. yeah yeah so all right, so the police already have this strange feeling about the boys when in the dumbest of dumb moves, they start spending <laughs> fucking money immediately. Money, 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 money! <laughs> also showed up to their house the next day in like new fucking tuxedos. They're like, hey. Hey, where's my tennis shit at? <laughs> about to go hit up the cheesecake factory. <laughs> I'm trying to picture the Cheesecake Factory off Rodeo. I don't remember ever seeing that shit. You got me uh, fucked up with that one. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so they, they're spending money within three days. They go to Rodeo with their aunt and uncles to buy suits for the funeral. I mean, they it kind of like snowballed from there because obviously, like, they're not going to go to fucking men's warehouse to buy a fucking suit. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> So like they're they're on Rodeo buying suits for the funeral and then just that's, pop into Rolex. Exactly. Yeah. That day they popped into Rolex, got motherfucking three. Three Rolexes. Each? Total. Oh. But there's two of them. Yeah, that's wild. What? How many fucking wrists you got, bro? <laughs> they're icy, man. Anyway. Damn. Bam, fifteen K. Remember that it's nineteen eighty nine, so that's like thirty K in today's money. Right. Lyle buys a 911 Porsche Carrera Special Edition. Oh my gosh. My dad also has a 911 Carrera Special Edition. I won't say how much that costs, but let's just say my dad didn't buy it on a fucking whim. You know? (laughs) (laughs) I remember the pamphlets and shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eric buys a Jeep Wrangler. I love Jeep Wranglers. Yeah. Alt, uh, Alt. And that's like a a vibe 90, what was this? 94? 89, 89. All right. Yeah, it is a five. It's still that's why I love that car because it's it's like it's timeless, you know. Yeah, it's a shitty car though. It's expensive to maintain too. Mm -hmm. All told, it's my understanding that Lyle spent like over three hundred fourteen thousand dollars on his. Oh my god! Shopping sprees over the next several months after his parents were murdered. Mm -hmm. Eric spent closer to nine thousand. They literally they won the lottery. They're literally acting like that. Right. Yeah, but they also dropped cash on would-be business investments and deals. Lyle wanted to get into the restaurant business or something. He bought a, a like a like a diner type thing in Princeton, mm-hmm. um, and Eric thought that he would try his hand on like concert promoting or something. I don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. They infamously got floor seats at the Knicks game right. and ended up on Mark Jackson's baseball yes. a basketball card. I mean, 
That's so fucking funny. That's so funny. <laughs> they took trips. They were like in Cabo and like whatever. Like they were all kinds of shit. But the point is, all in, we're talking close to $700,000 within like seven months. It's fucking crazy, man. Listen, I'm not super mad at the spending of the money, to be honest. Like personally, that maybe piques my interest, but it's not a smoking gun. The boys received a life insurance payout of something like 400K within five weeks of the murders. That's wild. And also their aunts and uncles were lightly advising them on how to spend the money. And it sounds like they were just like their aunts and uncles were like, whatever makes you feel better. You know what I mean? Like, just like, if you yeah, want to buy mean, a if, fucking if, restaurant, buy a restaurant. This right, isn't money. Grieving. Like, yes, exactly. Or allegedly grieving. Yeah. Right, right. And it's not like it was certainly more money than they would have spent normally. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that this is like they're rich. Like they're they rich. spend money. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Another thing is remember that they're 18 and 21 years old uh-huh. i would be more surprised if they were being super responsible with the money at this point to be That's honest true yeah seriously <laughs> so eric if you notice didn't really spend much on his own but he says that he wasn't surprised that lyle did because that had always been one of lyle's coping mechanisms okay. retail therapy and that it was also one of kitty's coping mechanisms okay. and that kitty and lyle would in fact do this together all the time Hmm. There was one fucked up story that in the immediate aftermath, allegedly Eric hopped up on a table at one of the stores after they didn't help him fast enough and was like, I'm here to spend money and like started throwing shit like, yeah. So anyway, the cops are like, these little fuckers did that shit, but they can't prove it. Yeah. Meanwhile, like I said, Eric is not a stable person at the time and certainly not stable now that he's murdered his parents. Right. So remember the boys were sentenced to court-ordered therapy back when they got in trouble. So they're still going to a Dr. Jerome Ozeal. This guy was a real piece of work. Okay, so Eric is suicidal basically at this time. The guilt is overwhelming. He can't take it anymore. And he confesses to Dr. Ozeal in an effort to get help. Dr. Ozeal then started taping all of his sessions with the brothers. Dr. Ozeal had another patient, a woman named Judalyn Smith, who, oh yeah, he was also fucking. Ooh. This guy is a major scumbag. Like, he asked her to listen in on his sessions with the guys. This is just like the the lowest of the low because you're, I mean, there's doctor-patient confidentiality. This is the whole reason, like, you're able to unload, you know. It's like, it's awful. Like, you're supposed to be a safe space. Yeah. For someone who needs that help and right, you're just exactly. going to fucking exploit them and take advantage. It's just gross. Yeah, it's gross. And like he shouldn't, I guess the court does respect that. Like he shouldn't have been able to testify later, but they do end up, he does end up testifying because, well, first of all, homegirl already put it out there. Second of all, he says that he was in fear of his life. He says like that they threatened him. That Lyle came in when he found out that Eric confessed and was like, oh, well, I guess we're going to have to fucking kill you or oh, some shit. shit. <laughs> Allegedly. But I mean, right. does it? that just sounds dumb. Like, why would you? Yeah, but that? that's what their dad would do, right? He'd be like, I'm going to uh, kill you if you fucking say anything. And maybe Lyle like does what his dad do- did, right? Good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Anyway, well, come March of 1990, Dr. Ozeal broke up with Judalon and Judalon decided to get back at him by trying to hurt him in his practice and going to the police with what she knew. Shouldn't and he have gone to the police like immediately? 
if he was if he was actually threatened then yeah, yeah he should have gone to the police what about right? with the confession shouldn't he have gone to the police immediately no, because they weren't a danger to anybody else but they had confessed to a, a to a, a murder yeah i think you have to go to the police that's protected i don't that don't sound right me that's i went over the case yeah that's you protected. Did? yeah it's protected wow the, what the that's why he had to testify that he was threatened because that's the only way that he could bring it in yeah wow so uh yeah boom that's how the police were able to arrest the brothers and charge them with first degree murder yeah. as they faced the death penalty oh damn eric was actually in israel playing in a tennis tournament okay he was still kind of hoping to have professional success there that's one of the things that he ended up spending money on too like professional coaching and stuff and robert shapiro who later would become famous as one of the members of oj simpson's dream team who sort of knew the boys i guess in the family uh he went to israel to talk to eric to let him know what his options were and that it was in his best interest to return to face his charges because he could have very easily just not just stayed yeah. yeah just not come home so yeah so he came he came home and the boys were sent to jail to await trial. Eric's new shrink later testified that Eric said that in jail, he felt safe for the first time from rape and violence, which is so fucking sad. That's Gypsy Rose, dude. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's fucked up. Okay, so the first trial. <laughs> the trial was presided on by the same judge who had previously presided over the trial of the cops who beat Rodney King. The boys were tried separately, but at the same time with two different defense attorneys and two different juries. Lyle's attorney was basically, well, we can basically ignore because the one that made the biggest difference and has had the greatest mark on history is Eric's attorney, Leslie Abramson. Mm -hmm. This woman had a reputation for doing anything and everything for her clients. She was and is a great lawyer and absolutely who do you probably want if you ever needed a criminal defense attorney. She was the architect of what unfortunately became known as the abuse excuse. Her argument wasn't that the parents deserved to die because of the abuse that they imposed on their kids, but that it should be considered as a mitigating circumstance. The media and the prosecution made a mockery of the defense. Like I said earlier, a lot of them didn't believe the abuse allegations. Right. And they thought that young strong athletic men would never quote unquote let themselves be sexually abused by their fathers oh my god i hate that part like yeah. that's disgusting okay and even if they did believe it a lot of people thought that it was a, a inappropriate to be considered in the case like it had nothing to do with whether or not the boys committed premeditated murder right i mean sure the defense ultimately called 51 witnesses and not a single one had anything good to say about Hooker. <laughs> and Kitty's niece said that she believed that they would be afraid, as afraid as they claimed that they were. So the prosecution and the media became livid because they were like, Jose and Kitty Menendez are the victims here. Why are they the ones on trial? Also, like I said earlier, literally both sides of their family were all in with supporting the boys except for Kitty's brother. So that looked really good for them in the eyes of the jury. And both boys testified in their own defense and gave day after day after day of harrowing testimony full of tears about what kind of abuse they'd been subjected to. The crying boys became a kind of joke and meme of sorts. Yeah. They were parodied all over the media and late night TV. It was really fucked up, actually. 
Ultimately, both juries ended up hung and a mistrial was declared. The Los Angeles district attorney was coming off a string of other high-profile embarrassing losses in court and vowed to try them again. The judge in particular was criticized for allowing Leslie Abramson to really control that trial, and he got a lot of embarrassing, terrible press. Our enemy, Alan Dershowitz, authored mm. a book called The Abuse Excuse, which was a scathing rebuke of the defense, and he made it clear that he didn't believe the boys, which makes sense because, you know, he's, he's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his little friend Epstein, mm. known abuser. So anyway, after that trial, the boys go back to jail for years while they await their second trial. In that time, OJ happened. (laughs) This is strange for a number of reasons. First of all, they knew OJ very well because OJ was famously the spokesperson for Hertz, where their dad worked and made his early fortune. Plus, they're all like in Beverly Hills. True. What a weird time in Beverly Hills. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but when they were kids, so this is back in New Jersey, OJ would be at the house right. all the time, like come over for business dinners, play football with the boys and stuff. They were friends with, the, he was a family friend. That's weird. <laughs> so they put OJ in the cell next to Eric. So Eric says that as soon as OJ walked in that first day, he was like, hey, Eric, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, he was the one who told OJ that he needed a new lawyer and connected him with Leslie who connected him with Johnny Cochran mm. because they worked in the same building. That's they were like, up. Johnny was in the office above Leslie. Yeah. <laughs> so Eric and OJ spent months and months next to each other at the county jail. Meanwhile, TV movies, movies plural, came out about them, painting them as monsters, which I mean, maybe they are, but you don't want that to be tainting public opinion if you're trying to get a fair trial. Right. Dominic Dunn writes about the case in Vanity Fair, mm. and he fucking hates them. Really? Yeah, he hates them. Also, he has a personal... Him and Leslie have history. Like, they hate oh, each other. Okay. So it's like, he's like, fuck her and fuck her clients, you know? <laughs> you did the story on Dominique, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So all this shit is most likely influencing potential jurors, which is shitty as far as getting a fair trial goes. Right. Also, the judge in advance of the second trial rules that he won't allow the quote unquote abuse excuse defense, which fucking sucks because I feel like it, it's unfair because like the D, the DA lost with that defense. And now it's like it's like moving the goalpost to me. Like, I, I can't believe that that was allowed. Right. Also, OJ got acquitted just eight days before their trial was set to start. Oof. So now the DA has an even bigger need to save face and get these guys. Right. It's political now. Uh-huh. Then, during trial, Leslie was caught telling one of the expert witnesses, Eric Shrink, to alter his notes. Ooh. It's like she had told him before trial, like, erase this shit. Like, erase something. And But when the... Um, during discovery, when the... When the... Um, prosecutor asked for the notes they accidentally sent over the unaltered notes so like during the trial there was a discrepancy with the notes and then the judge was like the fuck happened here yeah and so leslie had to plead the plead the fifth oh shit and after that like she kind of had to fall back like she was basically a non-entity for the rest of the trial it was a fucking disaster oh my god also just prior to the second trial lyle told a writer that he had 
fooled half the first jury and that he'd do it again. God, man, we shut up. What's wrong with you? So he didn't testify the second time because he'd have to either confirm this or perjure himself. Yeah. They ultimately were convicted of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So crazy. What year were they sentenced? I think it was like 96 or something. Fuck. The brothers were sent to different prisons for basically the next two decades. However, they recently were moved to the same prison and are able to see each other once a day during meals and rec time. You know what's really weird to me or like Mm -hmm. kind of like I'm always like, damn, that's so weird. They weren't that close. As brothers? Yeah. I think they were pretty close. Like... Because their their father didn't let them be close. You know? I know they had know. to keep these secrets from each other. But they weren't that close. That's what I'm saying. They weren't mm-hmm. that close. Like considering like what they'd been through and shit. and what they did together. Right. Like yeah. you would think that they would be like this like unbreakable bond or something. Mm-hmm. But Lyle didn't really seem to even realize what was up. Like how fucked up Eric was. You think right. he would have popped off to Israel? Like if you're really close to your sibling. And you really know oh. them, and you like yeah, yeah, did yeah. this thing with them. You're not gonna fucking leave them in that moment. No, it was Eric that was in Israel. Eric was in Israel. Yeah, yeah. Who was er- suicidal? Eric. Eric. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm tripping then. So Eric was like tennis, 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 tennis. Yeah, okay. Just trying, like, trying to like escape. You okay. Know? All right. That makes more sense now. <laughs> I was like, why would he go to Israel if his brother's all fucked up and you just like did committed this crime together? Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah my bad. No, but you're right. They were. But I think like I think they were as close as could be expected considering mm-hmm. like what was done in the home to try to keep them not close. I guess. Yeah. I'm definitely way closer to my brother and I'm not about mm-hmm. to commit a murder with him. <laughs> and you. <laughs> And you guys are, uh, you're closer and you're farther apart in age. These guys are like a year and a half apart or some shit, you know? Like, I think I remember the, their psychiatrists were like, it would do a lot of damage to keep them apart and like send them to separate prisons. But the court was like, I don't give a fuck. And like sent one to like Northern California, sent one to like Southern California. Part of their punishment probably. Right. But then recently they are back in the same prison and they see each other once a day during meals and rec time. They both like it seems like they've been doing good time you know um one of them runs like a hospice okay. in prison and like the other one runs like a group therapy type thing to they're try to in help like other low security or no they're in maximum wow mm-hmm. um yeah so they like both seem to be like doing the best that they can in in prison right. they both married pen pals they're both I know. married yeah and i think they were like hot for a while right like mm-hmm. women were into yeah, them thousands of letters a day yeah yeah uh lyle i think has been married twice like he's <laughs> uh they've exhausted their appeals so it's looking like they really will die in prison yeah yeah how old are they now they're in their 50s yeah probably one of the best statements not the best but most true in my opinion that i've heard on the case is that jose and kitty spent two decades building a bomb and it's no surprise that it blew up in their faces yeah i feel like it's true yeah I I feel bad because I don't think that justice was necessarily served in this case. Like, do I believe they deserve to be punished? Absolutely. Uh, but life in prison without parole, I, that just doesn't seem like justice to me. But Yeah, then, our legal system is really black and white with that, kind, especially like in these right. kinds of situations. Like, look yeah. at um, Gypsy. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. does she deserve to be in prison 
mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know i don't think so i mean i don't know i don't have the answer but right i don't think that that doesn't seem like justice for me mm-hmm. personally yeah you know think- like two things can be true you uh-huh. you could have committed this crime and that was very wrong and we obviously mm-hmm. need to deal with that but also you could have been a victim like what what where did someone break you absolutely you know like and yeah. so why can't that be taken into account mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know because, why we're like this <laughs> because like the whole the whole abuse excuse quote unquote was hinged on them feeling like their lives were an imminent threat but then like if you take that away then all you have is the premeditation they went they bought the guns yeah weeks well, before like, that's how no. the law is very yeah, clear cut yeah exactly. they got the guns they pulled the trigger they fucking killed right. them yeah. guilty yeah yeah and it's just like life I mean, ain't like that right yeah so you know i i don't know i don't know what would be just i truly don't know 20 years 30 i don't i don't i don't know but it just doesn't feel to me that this is fair Mm-mm. who else are they a threat to also exactly and then like, all who are of we their protecting and all of their doctors over the years and stuff keep saying that they're yeah. like their doctors their family because their families are still with them their yeah. families are like who are they a threat to exactly right. that um yeah so just i guess just like a weird quote that i didn't have anywhere else to put was like this is eric in reference to his father he said quote brutal painful torturous and yet i admired him i admired him because he was so strong he was everything that success was everything that i was taught success was and i thought he was the most powerful and brilliant person that i had ever met that's so fucked up yeah it's that's really like, fucked up. that's also like gypsy too remember she was mm-hmm. really fucked up like she killed her yeah. mom but then she grieved yeah she was like i loved Love my mother her. of yeah. course that's the only person she had right yeah and that's their story of the Menendez brothers good job <laughs> that's a tough one that's like there's so much we yeah. could talk about that one for fucking right. episodes there is like a one thing that people keep bringing up where like imagine just a thought experiment like if they were girls like if oh they yeah were, if they were menendez sisters people are like they would for sure never have gotten convicted no and or maybe not definitely not life in prison right like, yeah. like there is like another thing which i don't understand that like how we think because i i think i we don't believe that abuse happens to boys like for Mm -hmm. whatever reason Mm -hmm. but so we have these boys coming forward saying we were they were abused why don't we believe them then why would they say that if it wasn't true like right it's just so fucked up the way we handle like sex and sex crimes in this Mm -hmm. country yeah i I mean i'd like to think that we've made some advancements since 89 and yeah we have and people say that like if this case has been had been tried today like just think about the jury today yeah Yeah. exactly go please go to jury duty (laughs) put that i hate when people are like i want to get out of jury duty and i'm like no you're exactly who needs to be on jury duty like yeah you're very like reasonable person Mm -hmm. smart yeah yeah no it's fine you're there you're bored whatever (laughs) you get Get used to it (laughs) you get paid eight hours if you work full-time in a in a if your employer if you're a full-time employee Mm-hmm. they have to pay you eight hours if you're a part-time no, you get paid, no. like a half day or something no you know nothing they oh, don't have to yeah 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 well mm-hmm. that was this week's episode uh yep. hit us up on instagram and twitter at drama club pod on the website drama club pod.com on the hotline 505-539-0556 at our p.o box p.o box number 27433 laca90027 leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts vote 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 as soon as possible if you're doing a mail-in ballot 
I did for the first time. You Good, guys. congrats, for, Mary. For president. That's so I, awesome. I voted in the in the midterms. Yeah, but still, that's so awesome. And uh, yeah, go Dodgers, go, go Lakers. Lakers. Tune in next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. However, whatever with your helmet.